Well, good morning. Philippians, the book of Philippians. It's the New Testament. That's where we're going to be this morning. I'm glad you're here. I'm excited. I don't know what all I'm excited about, but I'm excited. Philippians. So, I want to tell you, last week we talked about worship. Everyone say, worship. Worship. Worship is why we're here. That's why we exist. And uh, that's what we want to be all about here at our church. And so we are going through the five New Testament purposes of the church. Why are we doing that? Because we need to know what we're doing and why we're doing it. Why are we here? So those five purposes are uh, worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry slash missions, and evangelism. So today we're talking about fellowship. Fellowship. So if you love fellowship, then today is your day. If you do not love fellowship, today is your day because you need to learn to love fellowship. So fellowship, there's a difference in just getting together and hanging out and then having Christian fellowship. There's a difference. Today what we're talking about is ecclesia. It's biblical New Testament fellowship when one Christian who has the Spirit of Almighty God living inside of them connects, spends time with, hangs out, shares in life with another New Testament believer. Okay? Now you can go fishing with Uncle Percy, Ledbetter, and spend time with him, and you can catch a lot of fish, and it can be just a great time. But if Uncle Percy, let's just say Uncle Percy is not a believer, well, you can have fellowship, and it can be good, and we should. We, we need to hang out with Uncle Percy, and, we, and fish need to be caught, Right? But it's not unless. But if he's a believer, then you can have ecclesia, okay? Then you can have ecclesia. All right. So we're going to be in Philippians, the New Testament. Feel free to use your table of contents to find that passage, chapter one. We're going to read the first few uh, verses to give us some context. Philippi is one of the new. T- it's a New Testament city that we know a lot about. They have discovered archaeologists, have discovered a gymnasium, a library, streets with the city names on the streets. Philippi was a special city. It was a strategic city in the Roman Empire. Sound familiar? I would say that Bay St. Louis is a strategic city here in the south. Philippi was a religious city. There were churches on every corner, it seemed like. There were temples of false gods. Sound familiar? Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their actions. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for for any good work. Boy, that's kind of blunt, isn't it? But this church in Philippi, it was a great church. They loved to hang out together. They loved to sing to the Lord. They shared things. 
they were in a strategic place. Listen to these statistics. Here's why I think our church is a strategic church. For one, we're the only SBC church in a city with 11,000 people. And if you count Spanish Trail Baptist Church, then we're two. There's two of us. Now there's other churches, other denominations filled with people that love the Lord. And they're doing great things. And if they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then hey, we're on the same team. But I'm a little partial towards this one. Did you know that there's 6,000 people that live in Waveland? Did you guys know that? Now this is not... We haven't even talked about the thousands of people that just come in and out of our city every day. Right? From all over the country. Did you know that there are 8,000 people in Diamond Head? 8,000. Do you know in Past Christiane there are over 5,500 people? Did you know in Long Beach there are over 15,000 people? Did you know in Hancock County there are over 47,000 men and women, boys and girls? Did you know that in Harrison County there are over 200,000 people? It's a lot of people. And guess what? Jesus died for every single one of them. We are a strategic church that the Lord has put here. And if you look around today, there are people in this room from this rough estimate, I would say over 20, maybe 25 different states here. And the Lord brought us all together to worship. It's exciting. Okay, so Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read the first eight verses. Paul's writing. Verse 1. I want to ask if we please stand in honor of the reading of God. If you're physically able, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints, proof that God is a New Orleans Saints fan, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. That means all the church members and the pastors and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Paul says, I thank my God in all in my, all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership. That word is ecclesia. Ec- because of your ecclesia in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we ask and call on you to to, uh, open our hearts to what you have to say to us. Lord, I pray as an individual that you would hide me behind the cross today. God, that your word would so pierce our hearts. Lord, you would open our eyes to see the importance of fellowship. 
and how it can impact our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What does it take to fellowship? What does it take? Do you fellowship? Not do you come to church, but do you fellowship? Do you have fellowship with other believers? Four things I'd like to share about what it takes to fellowship. Number one, it takes sharing of resources. It takes sharing of resources. Verse 5, Paul says, Because of your partnership, because of your ecclesia in the gospel from the first day until now. If you read in chapter 4, Paul shares that it was this church at Philippi. In fact, they were the only church that took care of him all the way financially. They sent him packages when he was in Thessalonica. They even sent packages with Epaphroditus. They were all in in helping Paul advance the gospel. They were generous. They shared. Can you imagine being a church in the New Testament that could have helped Paul but did not? Like they could have donated the paper, the papyrus, for the Word of God to be written down on. Can you imagine some of those churches that could have been a part of that but didn't? Number two, fellowship, it takes perseverance. Look at verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says, he who began a good work, he will finish it. So really, this is perseverance for the most part, on behalf of the Lord to finish. And He always finishes what He starts. What he starts. But there's also some perseverance on our part to meet with God's people. It takes, example, this morning, it took getting up. And uh, most people, you know, didn't get up to come to church this morning in our city. But a lot of people did. And you guys did. It takes perseverance. We, we all have jobs and things to do and bills to pay and it takes persistence and perseverance to carve out time to be with God's people. Praise the Lord that you are here today. You're here and that's a blessing. Another thing it takes, it takes intentionality. Fellowship, it takes intentionality. Verse 7, it says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of Grace. That word there, partakers, it means a joint partner. It means a participant. It means a companion. They were partakers with Paul. So we need to make certain that we are intentional with our conversations. We can get together and we can talk about the weather and we can talk about, you know, work and we can talk about a lot of things, but we need to try to talk about. The most important thing, and that's not the church, but it's the Lord. We need to have gospel conversations, not just with people that don't know Christ, but we need to talk about the Lord together. Something special about that. To talk about the Lord. I'd rather talk about Jesus and His mission than, than I would talk about the church. No, I, I love the church. And by the way, if you talk bad about the church, beware. Because you're talking about the Lord's bride. If you talk about my bride, I'm going to meet you outside. But the Lord, He died for His bride. He shed His blood for the bride. He cares about the bride. 
And we should too. We should love the bride. We should love the bride passionately. But let our conversations not always be about church and business. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about the mission. Let's talk about what God's doing in your family. Number four, it takes time. It takes time. Did you know that we actually have to spend time with Christians for Christian fellowship to happen? Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that, the, that Christ is Jesus. You say, well, that was the apostles. That doesn't apply to me. Well, listen to this verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says, And day by day. That means every day. Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Somebody say amen. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. Well, I'm just going to come to church on Sunday. Well, that, that's cool. That's fine. But the Lord is at work every day. And if you are a Christian, then you are a missionary. In your workplace, at school, wherever you go, you carry the light of the truth of the gospel. Okay, so there's three barriers to fellowship that I'd like to share. Three barriers to fellowship. Very simple. So simple, you can miss it. Number one, what can be a barrier to having fellowship with other believers is personality. Personality. That can be a barrier. Why? Well, the truth is that probably half of us in this room, we're introverts. I say that because I think I'm an introvert. I, a long time ago, I was not. In fact, some of you fellow introverts, you used to be, back in the day... You were probably an extrovert. Now, some of you, you've been introverts your whole life and it has not changed and it's never going to change, right? That's just who you are and you're proud of it. And you could go sit in the closet by yourself and just have the best time. Just you and the Lord. That's how I am. I, I love being by myself sometimes, just having my, my time. And we need that. That's important. But the reality is, is that Christian fellowship, we actually have to talk to people. It's part of it. And so what is the cure for this if you have a personality that's introvert or you just really don't have a desire? Maybe you're just like, you know, there's a lot of people in this room and I really could care less to really get to know them. I mean, let's just be honest. Maybe that's how you think. And, and that's okay to an extent, but the Lord has a cure for that. And the cure for this personality that's keeping us from having fellowship is this. Just die to self. Just rest crucified. Just be brave. You don't even have to have a lot of courage. Just muster up a little bit. And uh, let's try to talk to other people that maybe we have not talked to in a while. It's, it's a scary thing to go to a new Sunday school class. Can I just say that? It's terrifying. People are scary sometimes. And so if you're not plugged in a small group Bible study in our church, I'd like to encourage you to try to Check some of them out. We've got some phenomenal teachers, children, teachers, preschool, student, middle school teachers, high school, Sunday school teachers. Incredible. We've got young couples, 
teachers. We've got men's classes, women's classes. We've got senior classes. All kinds of classes for all kinds of people. We even have some classes during the week. And you, you may say, well, I've tried out all of those and I still just haven't found my place. Well, if that's the case, I want you to talk to me about that. We'll start a new class. We want to do whatever it takes to help you have Christian fellowship. And life change happens in small groups. It happens when you spend time together. Okay, so personality, that's a barrier. What's another barrier? Our bubble. Number two, another barrier is our bubble. What do you mean? Well, most Sundays we park in the same place. We do, don't we? Now, some of you super spiritual people, y'all park in different places every Sunday, but that's great. You're going to lose your car doing that. Our bubble. We park in the same place. We walk down the same hallways. We come in and sit in the same place. Just See, a lot of you, you're sitting in the same place. I try, honestly, I try to sit in a different seat every Sunday just because I want to be an example that you actually can move seats. But, but that's okay if you sit in the same seat. That's fine. But we talk to the same people on Sundays because we have this, this bubble. That, and, and I don't think we're mean about it or we try to have that bubble. It just, it just It's there. But here's the deal. Outside of your bubble and my bubble, there are people that are forgotten. They are. And you know what? The Lord, He hasn't forgotten about them. In fact, He thinks about them all the time. So the cure to deal with this barrier is we just need to get out of our bubble a little bit. Not a lot, because you may have a heart attack and pass out. But we need to try to get out of, go out of our way a little bit and be intentional on Sundays. Don't be too radical, but just a little bit. Let's just try to just think about the people that just are not in our bubble. The people that maybe they're the only one in their bubble. I think a lot of times people come to church, they get their feelings hurt sometimes because they, they say, well, nobody talked to me. Well, who did they talk to? You know, like, I think sometimes no one's being mean. We're just doing our thing. You know, we're just in our routine. But we need to, as New Testament believers, we need to care. And we need to have eyes to see what the Lord sees. He cares about people. And we need to also. Another barrier to our fellowship is style. Style. I was in a store recently with my beautiful bride. And she likes to shop. Now, she can shop every day for seven days. She can walk 35 miles shopping, not buy one thing, and love it. It makes no sense to me. But we were in this store recently, and I looked on the wall... And I thought, those are the ugliest clothes I have ever seen in my life. They, 
this store, I'm not going to share the name, but they had sweatshirts and they're trendy. And they had these sweatshirts and they had holes in them. They had like three holes in the sleeve and a, a hole in the side. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of a sweatshirt? Isn't a sweatshirt for like cold weather? But that's the style. You should be able to be in style and to come to the Lord's house. And we all have different style. And so the cure for this barrier is really simple. Don't judge people by what they wear. Respect them. Respect people if they want to wear a sweatshirt with holes in it, although it makes no sense, and I find it utterly ridiculous. We need to respect that, that hey, that's in style. That's how they like to roll. That's, that's who they are. Jesus died for them too, and they need fellowship. Next Sunday, our students are having, next weekend is Disciple Now. I'd be praying for that, by the way. Pray for the small group leaders. Pray for Pastor James. And pray for our students. We have a lot signed up, and they're going. It's exciting. Thank you, by the way, if you're opening up your house, if you're helping with that. Thank you. I've been a part of probably over 50 Disciple Nows, and it's, it works. It works, okay? So next Sunday, they're going to march in here. They're having these t-shirts, probably. And, and when, they, when they get here, we can respond in two ways. The first way we can respond is we can walk up to them, our students who love the Lord, by the way, and we can encourage them. Hey, I hope you had a good weekend. Hey, we love you guys. Hey, we believe in you. Hey, we are praying for you. I sound like uh, Cy Robertson. <laughs> hey, hey Jack, we care about you. Or, when they walk in here, we can say, can you believe she's wearing those shoes? Or can you believe that guy, look at those, those pants he has on. Can you believe that? And that can be a barrier. It's, it's silly to even talk about it. But seriously, that can be a barrier to where instead of engaging them in Christian hospitality and, and to incur, and take, that is a Kairos moment, a, a special moment next Sunday when our teenagers come. Because guess what? 80 years from now, well, maybe not 80 years, 50 years from now, guess who's going to be the church leaders? Those guys. And the legacy of this church will be dependent upon how much we. Invest in them. And if we do not invest heavily into the next generation of believers, there will not be a next generation of believers. But we're going to, right? We're going to. So style can be a barrier. And now if it's, if it's inappropriate clothing, well, that's another conversation for another day. But none of our students... They don't wear inappropriate clothing because they love Jesus and they're great. Right? Yep. Okay. Christian fellowship with one another depends upon a believer's personal relationship with God. I want us to go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John is towards the very end of the Bible, towards Revelation. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. 1 John chapter 1. 
the first seven verses we're going to look at, it's important for us to see that fellowship happens when we are in right relationship with God. If you're in right relationship with the Lord, you will automatically have fellowship when you're around other Christians. It just happens. We can go to the other side of the world today, and if you love the Lord, and if you're in tune with the Spirit, and you see a person that is also a Christian, and you stare in their eyes, there's a connection. Why? Because the same Spirit that's in you is inside of them. There's a connection. We don't have to know know them from Adam, but we can hug them, embrace them, because of what we have in common in Christ. John's writing this letter in 1 John. Verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, talking about Jesus, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship. See that word? Ecclesia. So we may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our ecclesia is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Verse 5, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light. And in Him we, there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him, if we say we have ecclesia, with Him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, underscore this verse in verse 7. This is the key to fellowship right here. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have ecclesia with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. The key to having biblical New Testament ecclesia is being right with the Lord. That's the key. Having fellowship with God, it automatically happens when you come around God's people. It's just going to happen. It just, it's just something there. And it's special. And we need it. I need it. You need it. We need to be together. Iron sharpens iron as one man's and one man sharpens another. We need each other. We need to be around believers. Christ is our common denominator when it comes to fellowship. Christ is our common denominator when it comes to fellowship. The gospel transcends age, style, preference. It does. We can have a joyful fellowship with other believers because of what we have in common. Listen to, some, to, to, to a few things that we have in common if you are a Christian. Forgiveness. You've been forgiven. Clean slate. Righteousness of Christ. You've been given a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put in you. The Spirit. New Testament believer, we have the Spirit of Almighty God living inside of us. They're not different Holy Spirits living in different people. 
It's the same Spirit. There's one Spirit, and He lives in all of us. We're closer together than we think we are. We're closer than we think we are if we're Christians. We should all have the same goal in life. To know Christ and to make Him known. To win the world to Jesus. To live for God's glory. If you're a believer, that's what you should be about. You should be passionate about that. If not, then I would say you probably aren't a believer. Or, or you're just, you are a believer and you're really strayed from the Lord. We have the same enemy. So another thing we all have in common, if you're a Christian, we, should, we have the same enemy. We're battling every, every day, we're battling against the spiritual forces of evil. And we can unite together on that front. We have the same freedom in Christ. We have the same destination. Same destination, we're headed to the same place. In case you did not know it, if you are a Christian, you have a ticket. You're going to the same place that I'm going to. And we're going to be there for all eternity. And so we might as well get started on that, hanging out together, spending time together. So the, the deal is, is that we need one another. Do you know that? We need one another. We need fellowship. You need it. I need it. We desperately... Your, your family needs it. Your children need it. Your preschoolers need it. Your grandchildren need it. We need fellowship. We're going to, two times as of now, we're going out to the state park on a Sunday in the springtime and then in the fall. And we're just going to have a lot of food. And we're going to hang out. It's going to be awesome. That's just an example of fellowship. We need to do that. You may say, oh, well, I'm not going out there. Well, our fellowship's going to be incomplete if you're not there. Because we need each other. Every part of the body needs other parts. So what do you think about all this? Do you fellowship? Do you have fellowship in your life? Life change happens in small groups. Life change happens when other people know what's going on in your life. When tragedy strikes, the church, people that love the Lord, are the ones that are always there. And the people that are your friends... If they truly care about you, they'll be there. But if you've kept every way, everyone away from your life and just put up these, these walls, which we all do, I do it, you may do it, put up these walls, then people are not going to know us. They're not going to know who we are and how they can help us. When you pass away, It's measured by people that come. People know if you invested in fellowship. It's a testimony. And if you never got out of your comfort zone and fellowship with other believers, then you have been missing out. Ecclesia. Do you have it? Do you want it? If you don't, you need to go get it. Figure it out. It's worth investing in.
If you do not have it at all and you've never tasted it, as we close, I want to give you some hope. If you never tasted this fellowship, if you never, ever, ever experienced it, then maybe, possibly, you are not a believer. You are not a Christian. You may know about the Lord. You may know some of the Bible. You may go to church. But maybe you do not have a personal relationship with God Almighty. That's just the blunt truth. You may not. We all, at one time or another, that was us too. And today, you can come to know Christ as your personal Savior. The rest of 1 John chapter 1, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a promise right there. Well, what if I confess and I don't feel like the Lord uh, cleanses me? Who cares? God's Word says it. We can trust that truth. And He'll cleanse us. Verse 10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And His Word is not in us. And God's Word is rough. I mean, it's very in your face, right? Why? Because the Lord cares. The Lord cares and He loves us. And He wants to bring us to Himself to have right relationship with Him, which in turn produces fellowship with one another.